another episode of Here, Birdie, Birdie, Birdie. In this episode, we're going to take a deep dive into one of the birds I mentioned in the previous podcast, the American Dipper or Cinclus Mexicanus. The Cornell Lab's All About Birds website calls the American Dipper a chunky bird of western streams and North America's only true aquatic songbird. My birding partners and I saw this bird on our trip to the Chiricahua Mountains in eastern Arizona in March 2021. For this podcast, I referenced books, academic journals, newspapers, and websites, all of which I've referenced on the show page. I'll put a link to it in the show's description. So now, let's take a look at that American Dipper. So the American Dipper is formerly known as a water oozel or water thrush, not to be confused with water thrush, as in northern water thrush or Louisiana water thrush. And actually, when we were standing there and we were explaining this bird that we were looking for, one of the guys in the campground was like, oh, you mean a water oozel. So there are some people out there that know it as a water oozel, but it's more commonly known as American Dipper. John Muir, the conservationist, loved the water oozel so much that he wrote an entire chapter in his book, The Mountains of California, that came out in 1894. Chapter 13 is called The Water Oozel, and I want to read just a little bit of this beginning passage. The waterfalls of the Sierra are frequented by only one bird, the oozel or water thrush. Cinclus Mexicanus. He is a singularly joyous and lovable little fellow, about the size of a robin, clad in a plain waterproof suit of bluish gray with a tinge of chocolate on the head and shoulders. In form, he is about as smoothly plump and compact as a pebble that has been whirled in a pothole, the flowing contour of his body being interrupted only by his strong feet and bill the crisp wingtips and upslanted wren-like tail. Among all the countless waterfalls I have met in the course of 10 years exploration in the Sierra, whether among the icy peaks or warm foothills or in the profound Yosemite canyons of the middle region, not one was found to be without its oozel. No canyon is too cold for this little bird, none too lonely, provided it be rich in falling water. Find a fall or cascade or rushing rapid anywhere upon the clear stream and there you will surely find its complimentary oozel, flitting about in the spray, diving in foaming eddies, whirling like a leaf among the beaten foam bells, ever vigorous and enthusiastic, yet self-contained and neither seeking nor shunning your company. Okay, let's envision this little bird. Think about a robin, about the size of a robin, but much plumper. And then paint that bird all gray and the bill black. And I think you probably have a pretty good idea of what that bird looks like. Now, you're going to envision it doing a little bob, bob, bob. It never stops. It bobs, it bobs, it bobs. And while it's bobbing, it sometimes will wink and show the white eyelid at the same time. In his essential field guide companion, Pete Dunn calls the American Dipper a crop-tailed aquatic catbird with a wink and a bob, which is really on point, really on point. It looks like a catbird, 
with its tail chopped off. There are five species of dipper worldwide, but American Dipper is the only one that breeds in North America. According to the Sibley Guide to Bird Life and Behavior by David Allen Sibley, historically dippers have been thought to be closely related to wrens and thrushes, and they're usually placed near both families in traditional taxonomies. But several lines of evidence are pointing to a closer relationship with the thrushes. So they've done some studies of egg white proteins and DNA, DNA hybridization and juvenile plumages and come up with maybe changing the taxonomy to more of a thrush, the thrush family. The bobbing behavior is similar to that of spotted sandpipers. Experts have proposed several explanations for the dipping. One is that the dipping is a way for the birds to deter attacks by demonstrating their physical fitness to potential predators, which would explain why human observers see so much of this behavior. So they're dipping to show us that they're really physically fit. The dipping could also be a technique for more accurately locating prey or a way to communicate in a noisy environment. The status of this bird is common to uncommon, depending on the area that you see it in. It is a Western species, and it has a contiguous range from central Alaska all the way down to Central America and east to probably the Rockies or so, all through most of Colorado and plus some areas in Southern California, Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico, and Western South Dakota. The thing that this bird needs is clean, clear, running mountain streams. That's where you're gonna find it. You're not gonna just find this bird everywhere in those states. You have to go up to the mountains and you have to find a stream because this bird is wedded, wedded to water. It is almost always found there. What it needs is rocks, fallen logs, exposed rocks, submerged rocks, some overhangs, and it seems very attracted to the undersides of bridges when it's breeding. So in the summer, you're gonna be looking in any of those mountain streams, but if it's in the winter and you're looking for this bird, you will need to find ice-free running water. Even if it's a little bit of I've seen them with uh, like ice around the sides of the streams and when they're in the middle and they're rock hopping or running they actually run underneath the water you might find them on lake shores as well if you've got if it's really really snowy in areas where the water remains ice free or at least running during the winter the birds will stay there the resident birds will just stay there and they won't migrate but where there is ice over, the birds will either go down the mountain to find open water or they will migrate. They might move to maybe some different drainages or something like that. Winter range really doesn't extend beyond where their breeding range is, so not a lot of movement by this bird. As I said, they are wedded to their water. In doing my research for this podcast, I found an article published by the Arctic Institute of North America, volume 72, number one, March of 2019, pages 82 to 87. The article is called Overwintering Habitat of American Dipper, Cinclus Mexicanus, Observed in an Arctic Groundwater Spring, Feeding on Dolly Verdon, 
Savellanus Mama. So the interesting thing uh, about this article is that it was the most northern sighting of the American Dipper species. This article documents a sighting of American Dipper at Fish Creek in the Yukon. And Fish Creek is very close to the border between Alaska and Yukon province in, in Canada. It's very, very far north. And it was the interesting thing about it is that it was found feeding on juvenile Dolly Varden, which is a fish. I'm not much of a fisher person. If it doesn't have feathers, I'm, I don't know much. But a Dolly Varden is a type of fish. It's It kind of looks like a trout, but it's different. It's in the char family. So they're thinking that these two species and, and the fact that there are several documented northern sightings of American Dipper over the years, and all of them also overlap the places where Dolly Varden are found and, and breed. So they're thinking that maybe these two species might be more important to each other than we previously thought. And the Sibley Guide to Bird Behavior, David Allen Sibley, says that pollution and silt accumulation on stream beds can destroy invertebrate populations, causing dippers to abandon a waterway. Because of the specialized habitat of dippers and the large size of their territories, major annual avian censuses probably do not reflect American dipper population trends well. However, the birds will probably continue to fare well in areas where water supply and stream substrate are maintained. They adapt easily to living in urban areas that meet their habitat requirements and may have high population densities in towns thanks to added nest sites that bridges supply. The bird is pretty chill. There were five of us around this little small pool in the middle of the forest looking at this bird through binoculars, cameras with big lenses, clicking, clicking, clicking. I mean, we were talking softly among ourselves. We weren't yelling, running, and no jerky movements. Definitely five birders there looking at this bird. But it, it was pretty cool with us being there. It did fly away when I got up off the ground. I was laying on my stomach taking some pictures and happened to not like that very much. And it flew a couple of yards down away from where we were. And like I said, it's a pretty chilled bird, but if it starts to bob a lot, that means it's agitated and it could fly off. When it does fly, its wing beats are whirring and constant. So you will actually hear them. Kind of looks like a flying football, like a puffin or another auklid. And looks kind of out of control, yes. It looks out of control when it flies. Mostly you're not gonna hear this bird make any vocalizations. It's mostly silent. The call of a dipper is often heard when the bird is flying. It's kind of harsh and rattle-like, kind of reminds you of a very high-pitched belted kingfisher. The song is a large number of distinct phrases strung together with the most repeated two to four times before the next phrase begins. Both sexes sing all year long, and singing does peak early in the breeding season. The song is used to establish breeding territories both in spring and in fall winter. Unlike many songbirds, dippers rarely sing to advertise their territory once it's established. So while he's bobbing up and down, he's looking for larvae. They're all little worm-like things. They kind of remind me of tiny leeches, but they're looking for things to eat and kind of whacks it against the rock and then picks it up and eats it. But they can also capture 
other invertebrates, small fish, and fish eggs. Usually what they do is they wade through shallow water, frequently putting their head underwater to look for prey and then diving in to capture it. If the water's too deep for wading, the dippers use the same technique but paddle with their feet instead of walking. And I had never seen this before, but that's exactly what this dipper did. He paddled around like a duck, it was crazy. The birds also occasionally dive from a perch jutting out of the water and forage underwater on the stream bottom, usually for less than 15 seconds, but they do submerge themselves underneath there, completely underneath the water and walk through that if they can. So when they're not foraging, dippers are frequently seen preening themselves and sometimes for up to 10 minutes at a time. These extended bouts of preening are thought to be necessary to maintain that waterproofing and insulating qualities of the plumage under the harsh conditions of rushing water to which the dippers are exposed. And let me tell you, that water is frequently icy cold. So this little bird has to really keep its feathers clean, groomed, separated so that it has that insulation. The dipper is uniquely adapted to allow them to exploit the speeding and fast running streams. If you just put a robin or a, another thrush or something in that water, it would just wash away. But the dippers don't do that. They have stubby wings that are well adapted both for flight and for use as flippers while they're swimming. They have very strong legs and toes that allow them to forage efficiently in currents that would be powerful enough to knock down you or I. And they also have a thick coat of down and up to twice as many contour feathers as non-aquatic passerines of compatible size. That really helps to insulate them from cold water. This is interesting. The oxygen capacity of the blood in dippers is also much higher than that of non-aquatic songbirds, allowing them to remain submerged for up to 30 seconds while foraging. Their vision is facilitated by iris sphincter muscles, which are more developed in dippers than in most birds, allowing the curvature of the lens to adapt to seeing both above and below water. I'd like to end this podcast with a poem I found called American Dipper. It's written by Tina M. Johnson from Star, Idaho, and was published in the Anchorage Daily News on April 1st, 2021. The Science Center at Sitka, in the stream that last fall simmered with salmon, today the water oozel is alone, plumping the tiny boat of his feathers beneath fathoms of winter sky. He bounces, sure-footed, on riprap coated with algae, searching the shallows among the freshet for dragonfly nymphs and caddish fly barbar. He's not afraid to jump. He's not afraid to plunge the Circeus current and swim, the tiny bubbles of his breath rising like glass buoys. I watch, and the vapor of my own breath rises mixing with air too cold to smell of seaweed and salt. Looking hard into the depths, I dive again into a day I thought lost, that now rises from the wet-winged dark, bright-eyed, silent and hungry. So that's the conclusion of my deep dive, or we might say a deep dip, into the American Dipper. I hope you've enjoyed it. I certainly enjoyed making it. 
I'm thinking of doing more of these deep dives in the future, so let me know what birds you'd like me to research for you. Until next time, stay birdie and nerdy, my friends.